And hey, let's start part two of our episode, which was recorded Tuesday night. Uh, so enjoy this great opening question and more great questions as usual from y'all. So got about one more hour turning into a mild holiday marathon two-parter here for the week in IndyCar listener Q&A show. All brought to you by Cooper Tires, Discount Tire, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. SurferDude121. Hey, Marshall. One thing I've been thinking about the past several months regarding a struggle to get a third manufactured IndyCar. It's a marketing budget requirement on top of supplying and serving a large number of engines. Say, in the wake of Honda's recent comments, would IndyCar be better served to let another OEM come in without these marketing stipulations? Would that be enough to entice a new OEM? So I love your question. Like legitimately, I love the question because it really, granted, I go, I think, somewhat into depth in this in the new edition of Racer's Mailbag. Hot off the presses Wednesday morning at whatever time before I'm awake. Um, the exact opposite is really where we need to place our focus. Why is that? Here's the thing. So a lot of what I've spoken about here, written about recently, written about in the past, um, we'll continue to write about in the future. Costs, right? On the manufacturer side, things are at a really high level for them to participate. Why is it really and truly worth IndyCar looking at how do we bring the cost down? And not a little, but a lot. You get a couple things. Hopefully, you'd get more manufacturers. Again, already covered that territory, so I won't go over it again. But bring the price of admission down. In theory, you should have more tickets sold to the IndyCar manufacturer Jamboree. One of the serious... I shouldn't say one of probably the biggest issue that IndyCar has and has had for a little while now. It's not just the lack of three, four, five, six manufacturers. The thing that has really held IndyCar back is the lack of those extra manufacturers deploying big marketing and promotions budgets to their IndyCar activities to draw much greater awareness to the series in their participation in it from coast to coast, television, streaming, print, and digital ads. This is the thing. There are other reasons for it, but this is one of the key things that helped the CART IndyCar series to become a raging monster and success, particular in the 1990s. You had, of course, you had a bunch of big, big sponsors involved because, again, TV ratings were really good. Grandstands were fantastic. You had those big companies, tobacco companies, alcohol companies, big box stores, Target, Kmart, you name it. There are a lot of huge companies that everybody knows and seemingly touches in their life uh, involved and shouting to the mountaintops and spending money and activating like heck saying, Hey, we're here and we're doing this here and come and see it. Come and watch it. Here's some free tickets. Here's some merchandise. Here's some branded stuff. But 
it was a lot of big companies who get out and reach every corner of the country saying this is the place to be the drivers are amazing the cars are faster than anything it's a wild experience got to be here come be here with us indycar doesn't have a ton of those sponsors anymore but we do know that if the costs were brought down on the engine supply side there's the potential for two big things it answers your question not only would we potentially get second third fourth i'm sorry third fourth fifth manufacturer and however many coming in the reason chevrolet and honda are not again blanketing the country with advertisements about their involvement in indycar for one specific reason because of the extremely high costs to supply the engines year by year we're now entering what year 13 next season will be year 13 of this engine formula the costs only have gotten bigger and bigger right as these motors become older cost more and it's harder to find those tiny advantages that you know the majority of them were uncovered in the first couple years so more money being spent crazy amount of time and money and effort put in to find little super granules of performance differentiation as the years have gone by to continue to compete at the super highest level and beat one another one of the things that has been routinely sacrificed i've never heard the budget to go up in marketing promotions i've only ever heard it being brought down and those monies put into the competition side and so because things cost so much what has been pared down and down and down to almost nothing it's the marketing and promotions budgets so this is where the much less costly engine formula reaps two big potential benefits getting more manufacturers in and if the number is low enough to compete for IndyCar to say great, but there is a expectation for not just you to have big savings compared to what they once were and just sit on that money, but to use a much bigger part of your budget to go towards marketing and promotions. So stripping that requirement would actually do greater harm to IndyCar. The thing IndyCar needs to truly get back to a bigger and more popular and well-known place, more fans, more interest, more everything, is to adjust its business structure for manufacturers so that it costs those who are currently in and those who might enter a much smaller number, but in doing so, there being an agreement with those manufacturers to weaponize those marketing and promotion dollars, do a serious investment so that you're here. It's still going to cost you a lot less than it did before, but we are not just happy to have you. We are expecting you to really and truly go wild with your television streaming print and digital marketing programs because without that there's no real reason for y'all to be here 
as it is right now, there's just not much left for the two who we love and are thankful for continuing. Fix that? In theory, a lot more folks know that IndyCar exists, and I think if a person doesn't know about IndyCar but does like motor racing or is prone to liking cool, highly competitive, fast stuff, they're going to fall in love with it. Just not enough people know it exists or care. Uh, All right, we're going to roll into what I think are the final questions here. Let me look at where we're at on the good old clock. Oh, yeah, we're over. Okay, well, you're going to get a little bit of a longer episode. And uh, if that means that you listen to half now and half later, well, you know, um, thank you for joining in. Uh, We are going to go to, and I think this is indeed where we mash the throttle. Finally, where do we go? Scrolling back up, I went too far down. Thanks again, Surfer Dude 121. Uh, Bunkelmeister. Gotta be new submission here. Uh, Marshall, stupid question, considering it's still far away. But how do you think the all-star race will play out? Well, if we have to use history as a guide, which is usually a pretty good thing to do when you've only been to a track once, uh, Thermal, the million-dollar challenge, uh, Kyle Kirkwood was pretty much the fastest across all the sessions. Marcus Erickson was also really quick there as well. I think Colton Herta was too. What does that mean? At least going by history, looked like Andretti and Ganassi had a pretty good feel for the place. So uh, I'd look within those two teams. Uh, also, let's have some dumb but fun predictions. Who's going to win races? Drivers. The championship. Driver and a team. Um, yeah, we're already deep into the show. So... Why don't you do this? Uh, your next one is who's going to lose their race seat. Yeah. Uh, these are all good. They're not dumb. They're entertaining. Um, if you wanted to send this back in, in the new year, I don't know, maybe next week, assuming I do a show next week. Um, and then Jerry will be kind enough to move this closer towards the front of the show. Cause yeah, uh, some of these would take a little while and I know you're, just asking kind of fun irreverent questions but uh yeah there's a lot of meat in here uh to potentially cover and for those who don't like meat i apologize there's a wonderful vegetarian buffet of answers awaiting us uh priv privco marshall does firestone have any plans to produce tires that make less marbles next year and is that even a thing be nice to not see one of the racing lines go away as the race progresses wonderful question i don't know i know it's a thing that folks complain about more and more um it's not like firestone makes tires that shed rubber at a high rate just because uh but yeah i don't know uh next time i speak with the uh amazing Kara Christolic, i will ask her um Oh, just got a text from our guy, James Hinchcliffe. Give, uh, if you haven't, in your want to do so, um, hit the good old social medias and send some love James way. Uh, he and his wife just lost, uh, lost beloved pup who'd been fighting like mad going through cancer treatments in 
Colorado. They're actually there over James' birthday earlier this month. Um, yeah, just just lost the uh, big, beautiful guy. So um, just sent him a little love here. Uh, he responded, which didn't need to. But uh, yeah, if you love the mayor as I do, just send him a note uh, on social media giving him and his wife some love because, you know, might not be a human, but uh, as you can probably tell by the monkeys that we have, um, we love them and spend so much time in their presence, being rewarded for it most of the time. Um, so, you know, this is a big loss for them. Um, I'll ask Kara. Uh, marbles. So an approach to making racing tires where you want to make them grippy and supple and awesome and amazing. Uh, you go too far. It's really, really easy to shed that rubber, roll those little marbles off, behaving, make it easy for the tires to be shredded on top of the track surface, uh, cornering specifically. It also happens a little bit under braking and obviously acceleration, but, um, you want to make them grippy and perform great and make the drivers just feel like they're bathed in mechanical grip. Um, go too far and it's like a really soft cheese. Uh, don't go far enough and the tires are really hard and the drivers complain and they say they don't have any grip, uh, but they tend to have a lot of durability. And so it's more like a rock than a slice of cheese or a block of cheese so again you can take that rock and run it across a cheese grater and it's just might get scratched up a little bit but it's not shedding anything really um so yeah uh compound is the big big area that's the real sciencey part of how the rubber is made chemically created treated and whatnot and how it interacts and the grip it provides and how it heats up and sheds heat and retains and blah 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 and how that interacts and sometimes when drivers complain a lot about tires being too hard sometimes the solution and the alterations for next year coming back to those tracks where that tire is used is to go softer and again you get cheese that just is super easy to grate and you get a bunch of marbles and other times you don't go as soft and you alleviate that a little bit but yeah i'll ask just also keep in mind they don't make one tire meaning one tire that they use everywhere it's a lot of very specific tires uh for the different types of tracks we go to and sometimes it's a mix where they might use the left front tire from this track usually it's ovals at this other oval or might use this here or there so um yeah lot tons of decisions um dozens and dozens of decisions on what to do with a variety of tires throughout the season or that get made to be used the various tracks throughout the season uh silver 996 c2 i wonder if you're a porsche fan if not i've gotten my porsche numbers and models wrong uh asks my question marshall is this i like the phrasing of that who is driving this talk about quote charters and indycars the team owners are penske uh, Penske, uh, that was something that was on his to-do list when he bought the series. Could say that 
having been an owner for lots and lots of his life, but also been part of the business structure franchise system back in the cart IndyCar series days, being a charter owner in NASCAR for sure. Right. Um, lots of experience there also would say on top of Roger thinking about this and having it as a action item, but not like a fast, oh my God, emergency action item after buying IndyCar. He'd also sat in on meetings with IndyCar team owners to speaking to the Holman Georges and whomever saying, hi, we spend a heck of a bunch of money on being team owners and buying cars and leasing engines and employing people and doing all these things. But our entries hold no value if we decided to step down from however many cars we run to one fewer uh that entry would just poof go away it's not a asset it's not a commodity we could sell or trade or otherwise should fix this because again we're the ones making up your series but the thing that we really fulfill that we possess in terms of the car and the people and everything, the driver we hire, everything that we kind of fill in to be a part of your series is this entry and we pay money for it each year to enter, but we don't actually own the entry itself from the series side. That's been heard for a while and it's a fully valid thing. Totally agree. There are no like independent NFL or NBA team owners who just decided to start their own team and the NBA or NFL said, great, you're welcome to play. Like, no, (laughs) it's a structured business. And if you want to be one of our teams and be able to be a part of this league, well, uh, there's a commodity and you got to buy in and invest. And if you ever want to get rid of it, Hopefully you can do that. Not a profit. It's way it is in NASCAR. It's way it is in F1. Not that way in IMSA, but it certainly isn't that way in IndyCar. So it's a little from both sides here to answer the first question. Second, you say, what benefit is a charter system for the fans? I asked this while looking over the fence at NASCAR and not seeing any benefit uh, as well as F1's kind of charter system. Just raise ticket prices for fans as its, quote, benefit. Looks to this fan as IndyCar wants to hang out the sign of hedge funds. Welcome here, as F1 has done as well as NASCAR. I mean, it could be a direction that that goes in IndyCar unless they write bylaws or whatever that say you can't do that. But this is really and truly not something for the fans other than providing greater consistency. One of the things Roger has spoken about is if you are the owner of a future IndyCar charter leader circle membership or whatever it is, you have a guaranteed starting spot at every race, including the 500, which triggers some folks. Um, I don't know if it triggers me. I should drink more beer. I'd probably have more opinions. Um, I like the idea of IndyCar team owners who can currently decide to leave or downsize, or I like the idea of this being a commodity that not only adds value for the current team owners, 
but creates a more formal process where if someone wants to join, on one hand, I love that you can just kind of show up. We could all decide to crowdsource an IndyCar team. If we raise the budget, we could order a car. We could do all kinds of stuff and blah, 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 and go be an IndyCar team. I like that. That's what I've grown up in by and large on all levels of, of racing that I've been involved in. But I do also wish this was something that was seen as having a value as being something where you go, Hey, yeah, you know, folks are fighting to get into F1 fighting. Let me in. They realize there's money to be made there. We aren't that fortunate yet in IndyCar, but this might not be be a bad first step to take for folks to look at indie cars a thing where you go hey i want to be a team owner okay great well to do that it's a serious thing there's investment required and if i do things the proper way invest hire good people like do everything super professional maybe this investment in one or two or however many indie car quote charters be a profitable thing um, I like that idea. I don't know if it's realistic anytime soon, but maybe that's the thing that has me saying, make this possible. Uh, where else are we going to go here before we say farewell to the show? And I don't know why I'm singing a bunch. It's not because I'm drunk. I'm trying to look here. Uh, eh, I'm about two thirds through my single New Holland Brewing Company bottle. Uh, let's see mark morgan say happy holidays mp you as well mark was, was there a time when indycar had cars that were overpowered with low downforce and had the possibility of breaking down even if it was a top tier team thank you for asking this also suggests that yeah you you are one of many who have only known spec racing where things are pretty much bulletproof so Yes, <laughs> these things did exist. And it's not like they had like real low downforce, just had a lot of power and not enough downforce to wrangle all of that power. Primarily the cart in champ car era. It's a thing. I need to do a feature about this and it's in an upcoming road and track, uh, feature, uh, that I just signed off on today. Um, it's one of the cool little magazine processes that is get a magazine commission. Obviously you can agree or not agree to do it, but get a magazine commission. This is the story that is wanted. You do that story. It's run through edited, whatever it is layouts done photos are chosen artworks drawn whatever it might be and then it gets sent back to you for kind of the, the author's proofing and sometimes the edits you don't like uh sometimes who knows today's will spare you what the topic was because i hope you really enjoy it it's one of the most enjoyable things i've written in a long time um one of the central well, in that notice, I didn't find any words that I was too unhappy with or any issue. Sometimes you get typos inserted 
when editing's done and you go, well, okay, A, my words are modified, and B, you added a typo that wasn't there. But anyways, none of that. But uh, there was a photo that was inverted. And so my primary note was, we need to rotate that horizontally. Otherwise, uh, yeah, because if you look, uh, the lettering on the rear wing is backwards. So anyways, in that story, there was a really key theme. That was the cars I was writing about were faster than the tracks they raced on. And this is the heart of everything you're raising here, Mark. Yes, in particular, the 800 horsepower always, but sometimes nine, sometimes over a 1,000 horsepower cart Indy cars, mid to late 90s, the very beginning 2000 2001 um they made good downforce very good downforce but not outrageous downforce motors that were just nuclear missiles drivers who were insanely good um you had these cars that were indeed faster than the tracks Shield DeFerrin set the open wheel single lap record or whatever it is at 241 and change in 2001 in his Honda powered Renski or Renard Penske modified Renard chassis. I'm not so much just talking about ovals, uh, more road and street courses where you go, huh, hey, they piled on all the downforce they had, Mark, but there was still so much power that these things are snapping sideways, fighting to get out from under the Dario Franchitti's and Paul Tracy's and Greg Moore's and Alex Denardi's and Kenny Brecks and Jimmy Vassar's and Max Pappas's and on and on and on. Alan Sir Jr.'s. The cars were like <sighs> raging monsters, just seemingly at all times fighting to be uncaged. And that made them so enjoyable to watch they sounded amazing as well the engine formula was just chef's kiss in terms of the 2.65 liter turbocharged v8s they sounded amazing revved high they just again that's what was awesome and from that broken gearboxes blown motors electronic failures yeah so with that formula of cars being faster than the tracks we went to we had boundaries that were being pushed in every conceivable way and so as a result they were wickedly fast but failures were not uncommon it was glorious it cost whatever it cost today oh it cost way more for the engine suppliers and everybody else but times are different things were yeah there was more back then so we had it um you ask what was the popularity of the sport at the time compared to now it was the business nascar mid 90s late 90s started to take overtake indycar in terms of tv ratings popularity was starting to soar I don't honestly remember the the exact year where the nascar ratings and such started to beat IndyCar or attendance figure averages were bigger, whatever, but 
IndyCar was America's most popular racing series from 1911 when it debuted through whatever that point was in the mid-90s. It's not like it fell off in popularity in the late 90s and very early 2000s, but NASCAR did just surpass it. Uh, But yes, the popularity was... I don't want to sound like grandpa. Yeah, see, it was all better back in my day, see? Unassailable truth, though, here, Mark. Walking around a cart... Indie car series race in, I don't know, 95, 98, 2000. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that we were, pardon your, pardon my French, we were the shit. We were amazing. The crowds told us so. The TV the sponsors, the manufacturer involvement with so much and so many, it was just plainly evident this was the place to be and had been, but just there was no doubt. We love IndyCar. We still do. Just know that for some of us going back to mid-Ohio, going back to Portland or Laguna Seca or a number of the places that are the same as back then. Having seen what it was once like, where it took forever to get in because it was, you had to show up at the, before the sun came up to avoid the lines and the traffic because it was so busy and so popular to where now you don't necessarily have to do that. There's a tinge of sadness each time. But there's also that hope of like, hey, let's do stuff that makes more people know about us and care because the racing's good and the drivers are amazing and all these things are awesome. Just we're a band that was once number one and now we're kind of fading into history more and more. And just keep hoping the folks who write the music and the whatever else make the songs come up with another hit. I don't know if we're going to be number one again, but at least get us out of the shadows. So yes, to your questions here. Yes, super yes. I firmly believe and hope and so much of what I do every day is centered around trying to give folks a reason to believe or aspire for things to be better uh jordan darwin looking for a few engineer updates olivier boisson uh michael cannon uh craig hampson and your new mystery engineer um hashtag me personally is a fan of both foyt and the penske teams i think michael cannon could be an asset for both teams improving dampers before and during the 2024 season uh all the best to you and yours and continue prayers for your wife's newest fight thank you jordan uh, Olivier is race engineer for Marcus Erickson. So yeah, uh, all good there. Cannon still technical director for Foyt. Um, I mean, he's not doing the dampers himself, but, uh, yeah, uh, him good. <laughs> uh, as we saw last year at some races where we never expected Foyt to be that good and you go, okay, we know why, uh, Craig Hampson, no word. Uh, as to where, what he might do here in the future. Um, 
I'm be fairly confident he's on at least a six month gardening leave. So that would probably take him through what? I don't know, March, April, if he wanted to come back sometime soon. I don't know. Haven't spoken to him. Um, yeah. Who else? Uh, Eric Cowden having left Ganassi to go to a more senior technical role at Ed Carpenter racing. Uh, he's really good. The team already has really good engineers. So I think, uh, ECR with uh, young Christian Rasmussen and the, uh, super extra good Renus VK should be better than ever. So, uh, the feelings are mighty high. Uh, all right. I'm going to scroll to the end here and, uh, go backwards very quickly. Uh, Raymond Wong, you say, what would be considered a Christmas miracle for IndyCar? Third engine, new chassis, hybrid system that isn't flawed, uh, 1.5 mile oval back on the schedule, or I don't know, buying an oval. <sighs> that depresses me, Raymond, because there would all be Christmas miracles. Um, the only one that seems like it wouldn't be a miracle is getting back to one and a half mile oval, that being Texas Motor Speedway. Um, I mean, when I asked about if there was a chance for IndyCar to go back, knowing that it's off the calendar for 2024, was told, yeah, it just truly didn't fit. Uh, and what we thought were potential solutions didn't work for them, and their solutions didn't work for us. So minus the Olympics with a less compressed schedule, I think it's possible for IndyCar to go back to Texas, but yeah. Um, all right, that kind of bummed me out. I'm going to read a couple more here. I'm trying to find something that's a little better or uh, not that yours was a bad question, but yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Randy Maynard. How you doing, Randy? So I wonder if you think it's possible for IndyCar. I don't know. Is it maybe top secret cahoots with Delara to build a new chassis and a like skunk works fashion undercover, like Penske did with that Mercedes engine at the 94 Indy 500. Uh, maybe it's just my off season wishful thinking. I don't know, but maybe not an aluminum foil tin hat conspiracy theory. Um, also is really sweet to wish my wife and cats, all of us peace and love and healing holiday season. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate you and your ever positive self. Um, you would need a tinfoil hat uh, for such a secretive skunk works new chassis project uh, to exist. Yeah, ain't nothing there. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wish. I really wish. Man, it'd give me some cool stuff to write about and talk about. And I mean, again, I'm always asking, like, hey, anything new I can write about? Like, you know, uh, always objective, but like, look, man. I love this series. I love the sport. If I retired tomorrow as a reporter, journalist, whatever, if I just was like, I'm done, uh, we're moving to Alaska, like I said, with my wife moving off the grid, but I'm going to have like a secret burner phone with some sort of like Wi-Fi and then have a little, I don't know, maybe I just use my burner phone, uh, flip phone, of course, uh, and then just write stories uh, by texting them to people. I don't know. Um, even if I quote retired tomorrow, I'd probably still write stuff because writing is, well, it's a profession. It's a creative endeavor too. And when you have a passion for something and you are a creative type, your brain's always farting out stuff and ideas. So even if I tomorrow just 
Marshall Pruitt fan instead of guy, you know, who does this as a profession, I'd still be looking for like positive things to write about. So again, I ask the series frequently, Hey, anything new, interesting going on? What's some new stuff we can write about? Right. I mean, you want to keep folks interested, engaged. Of course, I'm talking to teams and asking the same thing. Hey, I won't mention who, but spoke with uh, someone in charge of a really important team today called, didn't know that they were on vacation. Uh, like, Hey, wow, you're on vacation on Tuesday, December 19th. Look at you. Uh, but said, Hey, got a question about a thing that could be a story to write about, uh, here during the next week or two. And I would love to, cause it'd be a great thing to document and was told, Nope, it's not quite a thing yet. Not quite ready. I'll call you when it is, but like always looking for those things. So just share that because want to tell you about progress and growth and ideas and we're going here right this just ain't one of them so i think the the answer to close on that randy is you and i need to start the uh maynard pruitt's indycar chassis skunk works llc org net biz uh and we'll just do it ourselves and we'll present it and we'll announce it just on our own. Hey, if IndyCar denies any of this, uh, in the finest tribute to Paul Tracy, uh, they've been hacked. Anything IndyCar says that disagrees, just know it's they're wrong. It's false. They've been hacked. We have indeed. We've been contracted to come up with a new chassis, and we'll just kind of bluff our way through it. Um, but yeah, I wish. But yeah, uh, I'd love it. Oh man, I love it, but uh, we aren't there yet. Um, Brian Burrell, you are the penultimate questionnaire. MP most likely just overthinking this during the off season, but on our on the Reacher series on Amazon Prime, during a scene they dropped a quote, "I like a lobby you can hold an IndyCar race in." End quote. So you know, love these, love these, Brian. You you get an award. I don't know what it is. You get the now it's almost empty. You get the empty Dragon's Milk Reserve Bottle Award. I don't have much else to give you, brother. Um, say on that episode, uh, so said, I like a lobby. But you can hold an IndyCar race in. You say, so is Amazon making a play for IndyCar's broadcast deal? All the best to your wife and family and Merry Christmas. You as well, Brian. I love stuff like this. I do. I don't. But I do. It's the, hey, Honda has announced they're going to provide engines for Aston Martin in F1 in 2026. So since Honda is in IndyCar and they're linked up with another auto manufacturer in F1, does this mean Aston Martin are coming to IndyCar or variations of that? I love this stuff. None of this is critical if you brought it. I just, I love this. I saw a thing over here that didn't in any way say something's happening over there, but I wonder if the thing I saw over here might mean that something's happening over there. So I love it. And it's the curiosity. That's awesome. Um, the people who wrote that script 
uh, probably just wrote the script. And since ESPN is really super known for having Formula One, and I'd say if we were thinking both NASCAR and what's the other channel that has them, uh, what's the other NBC has them, but there's another channel that is it Fox, I think, that has them. They split the NASCAR calendar or whatever else. Uh, and they stream on Peacock at least. I don't know. And it's fairly popular. I'd think if I'm having to choose a racing series as the writer of a series on Amazon Prime that doesn't kind of rep f1 and nascar is the other kind of bigger thing um i might look to indycar as a reference if i was just trying to randomly come up with a thing um i someone shared the clip it might have been you brian i apologize if it wasn't but uh, i still have to watch it i watched season one loved it i don't know why it's kind of just like hyper violent little bit interesting um i think when i watched it last year we were going through a lot of hard stuff at home so i actually think it was like a little bit therapeutic of helping me to work out a little bit of aggression uh at least while sitting on a couch watching i don't know anyways still need to watch it but yeah um i think it's just a reference and i think we're also so starved for indycar slash indy 500 being mentioned in mainstream anything even like non-mainstream, which I think Reacher would qualify as. We're just like, well, there's got to be something there. I don't know. I doubt it. Uh, here's the thing. If Amazon Prime had any interest in working with IndyCar, I'd be mentioning NASCAR, right? Uh, is again, an Amazon Prime series, one that they pay for, I don't know if they commissioned it or if it was brought to, again, I don't know the formation of it, but um, if I'm trying to negotiate with uh, at least the number two racing series in the country, uh, I'm doing all I can to make them feel totally unimportant and mentioning their rivals. Uh, and I am mentioning NASCAR or, I don't know, IMSA, NHRA, something else that we love, but we're like, okay, um, I'm trying to make sure they go away feeling pissed. Like, damn it, why didn't they mention us? Um, so, yeah, it'd be a really strange tactic for me, at least, uh, if Amazon was trying to make a play for IndyCar by mentioning their name in a one of, I don't know, dozens of original series they commission each year. Uh, if we were talking about it was IndyCar was mentioned in like three or four of their original series, I'd say that'd be a pretty clear message. The last little quick thing here. And again, I love the question. Thank you for sending it in. Apologies for the late podcast riff. Um, IndyCar's already spoken with them uh, more than once, without a doubt, when they went through the last media negotiations routine. And probably, who knows, maybe even before that time. And I'm sure they've connected with them in between. So it's not like, IndyCar wouldn't love to be on Amazon Prime, wouldn't love to be linked with Amazon, have 
tune in to Sunday's whatever the heck it is Grand Prix uh, printed on all of the box tape that gets used on every Amazon shipment, right? Like, I would love for IndyCar to be on Amazon or pick whatever. Uh, large streaming platform that lots of people know and brings their product to a giant audience. But they didn't just think about going with Amazon recently, nor did Amazon just become aware of them. So my guess is there's a writer for the show Reacher who's an IndyCar fan. And since they're a writer, they're probably just like this writer trusted to write the things that they feel are good to go on the page and would be digested somewhat easily. There you go. Eric Franklin, you're going to close the show in terms of questions. You say there seems to be a lot more interest from team owners in hiring F2 guys instead of indie NXT ladder graduates. I have to assume some of that is budgetary, but are F2 drivers better ready to step in due to their races being longer in length on average, plus including pit stops. Uh, yes, a resounding yes. And I say that not because I want to say that meaning like, Hey, I love saying it, but I've heard this exact thing stated to me by more IndyCar team owners than ever before. Um, and it's largely driven by the hard to miss reduction in ovals in Indy light slash NXT getting to the point to where more team owners are saying, well, uh, the big oval experience that used to be the differentiator between junior open wheel in America and European open wheel, it's almost gone. So let's just go with the F2 driver who these days goes through a much deeper, more complete, more robust academy style education at most of the formula two teams. So the average good doesn't even have to be champion, but really good F2 driver compared to a really good Indian XT driver, that F2 driver. It's like they have received master's degrees by the time they're done. Whereas equivalent in light slash NXT. And again, I'm not talking about the Kirkwoods and you know, the champs, the ass kicking champs, but kind of everybody else more at that high associates level bachelor's degree, maybe, but yeah, uh, I have more IndyCar team owners, team managers, whatever saying, if I had to pick, if it was just wide open, take who you want. It's not a money thing. I'm hearing more than ever. They would rather take that high caliber F2 driver and then teach them the oval side because they are a more complete driver in all the other ways than most of who they're seeing now coming out of NXT. Uh, Y'all say, does any NXT need to provide more big oval experience to even out the playing field and give their drivers at least one thing that the F2 drivers don't have? I probably should have read all your question, Eric, before I answer the first question. Uh, Yes. Uh, So we're going to close here with a couple of just little notes and they're sweet. And I try not to read too much of the, that stuff, but 
some of y'all have taken the time to actually like do that. And so um, I'll just do that out of appreciation for you. And also realizing that for the longer podcasts, a lot of y'all left a while ago. So I'm probably just talking to myself at this point, but uh, the person who I describe as the world's greatest, biggest, most everythingest Scott Dixon fan, Jeremy Davis there's no question this week uh, for this Dixon fan. Hope my family's Christmas card has gotten to you and Mrs. Pruitt and the cats. Happy holidays, my friend. Cheers. Not yet, Jeremy, but uh, I did. <laughs> I did get, I forgot to tell you up front, I got a Team Penske Christmas card, which I'm like, that's a genuine surprise. Uh, I didn't expect one this year. I've gotten one for years. I figured someone would have said, again, earmuffs, take that asshole off of our christmas card list so i fear because i posted a photo of it because it was so dang amusing i fear someone in the mail room at penske global or whatever uh i hope i didn't get someone sacked uh but yeah uh <laughs> and then i got some socks from indycar today my life is amazing like truly my life is amazing y'all all right that's the end of my uh Ooh, boy, that was good. I was into my dragon's milk. Uh, Lawrence Cunningham, you're going to close this show. Apologies again for the length. Should I apologize? I don't know. It's free. Um, say Merry Christmas to you, Chabrell and the Cats. Just comment on all that been going on in the IndyCar news lately from engine manufacturers, hybrid issues, different driver signings, sponsors moving. So I want to thank, uh, thank you and all at Racer for taking care of us, the fans telling us what you know and what you think and sure blowback from upper management and IndyCar can be unpleasant sometimes but i appreciate your commitment to the sport that i and many more love we will survive and hopefully come out stronger thank you lawrence truly you wife just one of the sweetest human beings i've met in my decades in this sport and i just wanted to read that is below jerry's red line of death uh on the old word document here but just want to read that for one reason not because you said nice things about me and racer but this is something paul fanner racer founder has said for years drilled into me i mention it to you on the podcast once or twice three times a year maybe not that frequently but mention it again in his column on monday we work for you like for real it's not like a false kind of Hey, we work for you. No, like for real. Some of the stuff you mentioned here, not super pleasant. You know, I think y'all know I am a avowed glass half full person. Like positivity is really important to me. Not just its presence, but like when things start to get negative and continue to be negative and are what bad, like I got to fight to not let that drag me way down. Uh, negativity has a real hardcore effect on me. And so I don't ignore it, but I have pretty serious limits that flare up quickly as to how much I can deal with without it taking me to a very unpleasant place. I know this about myself have known this for decades. Sorry if I keep referring to decades, but it just applies. But I've known this about myself for a really long time. And so I hate writing things that 
feel ugh. Got to do it. It's part of the job. Accept it. Knew it before. Accept it. It's all good. Doesn't mean it sits well. Yeah, but don't some of those stories blow up and they're all Roy a million shares and it's great and wonderful. It does nothing for me. <laughs> I don't get paid by click by whatever. Like, you know, I don't get paid more if a story does great or less if it does not. Never been the way I have structured uh my deals with my clients. Uh, like really simple flat rate i way over deliver you get way more than you pay for but i don't get a penny more if a story explodes uh or dies on the vine so none of this has anything to do with money enrichment uh i'm no more known or less known like just sharing these things because like there's some folks who in my profession air towards the sensational and the drama and like that's that's their sweet spot that's their currency not mine don't like writing the critical and the negative but if it's there it'll get done but we do this i do this at least all driven from the same point of we do indeed work for you. So I wake up trying to think of things I can write that are interesting, amusing, educational, funny, I don't know, whatever. Um, some of the stuff is just ticking along. All right, hey, this team did a thing. This driver said a thing. Okay, cool. You know, some boring, inane stuff. A lot of that required as well. But appreciate the fact that you, Lawrence, and so many of you tune in listen, read, watch, whatever it might be, and trust me, trust Racer, trust others um, who do this. And that is not taken for granted, not taken lightly. Um, whatever series, yelling, barking, I don't care. Truly, I don't care. It's amusing. Some of the, it's staggering at some points. Like, really? That's what you did? That's what you think? You felt saying that was, uh, hey, thank you for that gift. Better than a pair of socks. But I got enough things going on at home that are so much more important than anything someone would get all grumpy and cranky and barky about, like, whatever, dude. But just appreciate you, Lawrence, and so many of you the three of you who are still listening. Um, it does come from a place of love. The writing of the stories, the creative side, the tackling, whatever it is, positive, negative, in between, the forgettable, the memorable, the, all that stuff. Just appreciate y'all because, you know, <laughs> not only do we do this for you, we could not do it without you. <laughs> <laughs> no one is paying me to do this and no one is helping to support Chabrell and I if y'all aren't there who care and agree and disagree and push back and push forward and do all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, never lost. I appreciate that about Paul so much. Uh, even when he knows, boy, uh, the slings and arrows are getting fired nonstop at him 
or at me, and he's deflecting those from team owner, series owner, X, Y, and Z. Um, but yeah, like there's a purity to this. And that's why I appreciate him and appreciate y'all and appreciate our partners as well who've been with us for a good long while. There's a purity to it where we convene, we care, we love on each other, we air our concerns, we debate them, and then we crack open a beer or a bottle of water or whatever, uh, center ourselves around this little bonfire of ours called IndyCar, preferably a bonfire, less of a dumpster fire, and instill each other with hope that future is going to be better than what it is. So that's what I got for you. It's uh, 7.32 p.m. Tuesday night, December 19th, the year of 2023. I'm going to go get some dinner going spend the rest of the night with she's my girl I refer to her as my girl because i still just think of us as young kids but spend the rest of the night with my girl and uh enjoy the rest of this week thank you all for listening in for all your great questions to our partners at well as well at cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and discount tire i'll speak to y'all here very soon.